Welcome to this episode of the Level Design Podcast. In this episode, we head out to enjoy the landscapes and gardens that in the games we love with Rob Dwyer. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's been a little while. Have you missed us? Well, we're back. Uh, we've had a lovely summer break to stretch our legs, go out to a few gardens and a few landscapes and enjoy the outside air. Have you been doing, Valentina? Have you been enjoying this beautiful summer that we've had? Yeah, summer has been really nice and warm and for once really enjoyable in Scotland. No wind, no rain and it's just perfect. Are you being sarcastic or are you being No, like, no, no, we've had, re- <laughs> we've had really good days and uh, yeah, I, I tried to use them as much as I could. Oh, that's excellent. And welcome back, Johnny. You're ready for another season of the Level Design Podcast. Are you raring to go? I am, I am. I've missed it. It's like, it was always nice to have that touch in and just, it's always nice to talk with you guys about level design in general. It's part, becomes part of my routine and I'm happy to have it back. Yes, and we're back for another superb season and in this first episode of the new season we have the lovely Rob Dwyer a man of many hats that has been uh, doing lots of things game journalist writer and author uh, which I guess are kind of the same thing but also a landscape and garden designer now that's a, a, a plethora of hats there Rob welcome to the show thank you very much thanks for having me yes it's um it's I usually just sum, sum it up shortly and just say oh, I'm a career changer but yeah I actually try and do an uh, try and do a bit of all of those things really and uh and and equally in both the games industry and the garden industry so yeah hopefully we can uh, we can have a look around at some interesting uh, landscapes and gardens today as well right one of the the amazing things that we've had on the show is people that are talking about having experiences outside games that that are very well or interestingly depicted in games right and when you first contacted us and we had a quick chat i was like you know one of my favorite games has got a whole bunch of design in it and we talk about level design but we have garden design right and that's a whole skill a whole trade a whole you know whole thing in itself uh, dishonored is one of the games that that comes to mind when when talking about that and also hitman but that's a that's another deathly story but you've been working on a book about all of this yeah so um i've put my uh, expertise in both fields and it's sort of how I got into games, media and writing in the first place. But yeah, there's I just thought there's there's quite a lot to say about gardens and landscapes and plants and the way they're used in games. And it's it's culminated in from going from, you know, sporadic writings for games media websites like Eurogamer and Rock Paper Shotgun and PC Games N and uh, Games Radar, uh, where I work day to day now. And it's all come culminated into a into a book which I'm writing and crowdfunding for, uh, which is well, it's called Genius Loci a grand tour of landscape uh, video game landscapes and gardens it sounds um, wonderful it sounds like i feel like a victorian gentleman that's getting my, well, my this trunk is ready. this is yeah this is the kind of angles when we were throwing around some um, titles uh, title ideas around i threw out i quite like this phrase genius loci it's in it's used in the in the, in the design industry in architecture and gardens and landscapes quite a lot it's um, the spirit of the place or or something like that yeah, so it, originally in Roma, in the Roman times, it was used as to describe a, a literal, in their view, spirit, guardian spirit of a place. And o- over time, it's it's sort of become more uh, used at, sort of as an atmosphere descriptor 
mm-hmm. um, and a and a sort of and a sense of place is probably the best sort of um, not normal in inverted commas uh, translation of it. But it was it was Alexander Pope in the seventeen hundreds, I think it was, or sixteen hundreds, said started to apply it. Was the first one to apply it to uh, landscapes. He said to landowners, if you're redesigning, consult the genius of the place. Um, and so w- one thing that I really liked and discovered about video game gardens and landscapes is that they do have this sense of place. Um, you can think of your favourite places in games, and they often have a lot of in- lot in common with uh, your favourite real places. So they there it's very evocative. It can bring out emotions. And the atmosphere is you know rich and thick. So that seemed to sort of uh, tie in nicely to what what the book's about and the exploration that we're going to do. And and then the second part of it, the a grand tour of it, is is a direct nod to the uh, the idea that when you became of age in the 1700s, 1800s, um, you would go on a grand tour to Europe or around Europe and visit all the wonderful cultural landmarks, gardens, palaces, um, see paintings, listen to music that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So it's it's encapsulated uh, it quite nicely and brings the two worlds quite nicely together in its own title. Because there is a big love in this podcast. We have talked about it many times, I think, of games such as Dishonored, games like uh, Death Stranding and... Ironically enough, I've been watching a bit of the, the, the Chelsea Flower Show. It's about to, to, to be right at the moment. And you're a winner of the of a, a gold medal winner of... Is it of the, the Flower Show or Gadden? Uh, well, that, that, would, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, right. That's so, the ultimate goal, isn't it? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It. just general, just wins the show. Yeah, yeah just won it. <laughs> so my previous job to working at Games Radar now is a hardware editor. So previous to that, I was a landscape architect for a multidisciplinary landscape practice that did golf courses, resorts, landscape design, uh, residential designs. And during that, I took part in a national competition with the RHS, as, uh, which is a, a young, young designer of the year. And it was to people aged 28 and under. That qualifies as young, I think, to the RHS for some reason it's near enough right yeah and uh, yeah exactly and there are three there were uh, got through to the final three and you get you get help with the sort of money and the advice to build your own show garden and it was a uh, sort of televised and and uh, yeah it's a nation- nationally run competition and i won uh, my me and my garden won a gold medal uh displaying at rhs tatton which is in manchester in 2016 so i've got that um that experience and a little little gold medal in the cabinet behind me somewhere as well <laughs> you, you're gonna to have to have like the picture on the book of you holding the medal going look or just we- just wearing it yeah just wearing just like casually like <laughs> on the inside you know where it's about the author you're just gonna yeah. have that and... <laughs> <laughs> like completely like pointing and you have to be superimposed onto your favorite video game landscape just on a hill somewhere. yeah yeah that seems, that seems yeah i do i should be writing this down yeah <laughs> you do too. one of the things that that i have found hard as a level designer has been this idea of of landscape design actually is because that's a completely different well i don't know to me it seems like a completely different set of skills than like architectural like man-made level design does that make sense is it because like you've got these construction patterns for me it's like okay right yeah this is what a human would do but then Mm. you've got this idea of well okay i know realize humans make landscape gardens and stuff like that but when you're trying to replicate nature or green things are just fail so what have you been discovering in in your grand tour or your grand virtual tour well it's it's always interesting because obviously you've got 
the de the design process of of the game is one design process. The design process of literally of that level is is a design process itself but then if you're trying to design you know a building of a certain style you're in, in, engaging in that design process as well and the same goes for for garden design and landscape design i mean what i have discovered and probably what we all know of is that game devs and environment artists are incredibly talented at recreating real life inspired or real life uh, portrayals of of the outside world they are very good at it but where where it really uh, comes alive is is just going just a step beyond and then onwards beyond the aesthetic as well and that's why garden design uh, the garden gardens designed in dishonored is such a good bit of game design and level design because it's actually as far as i can tell they would have had to go through some sort of similar process that i did when designing gardens you know, working out who the, uh, the 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 client is, what they need, what the uses are, the location, how it's going to be used. But then also, of course, with this mind in that the, a player in the game has got to accomplish certain things and navigate around it and 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 interact with it. It's 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 very it is very interesting. There's, there's multiple design processes uh, in play at sort of once. I actually played Prey again recently because that's all I do with my life. Uh, it's a really well, play, great game play to play study. <laughs> play, play arcane games because I love their designs and stuff. And I, yeah, I got to experience the Arboretum and um, that is something interesting because it's such a different setting usually and uh, we, don't, we don't see that in games, but it's also in space. I was wondering, have you played the game and if you like um, went to the location and what you thought of that setting? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the yeah it's one it's one of the it's, it's an arcane game as you say so it's it's going to be good, <laughs> it's going to be good already but yeah it's it's and it's one of the case studies which I want to dive deeper into in the book as well mm -hmm. um, but and I've sort of dabbled in uh, sort of analysing that before and have just having a look at it and 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 chatting about it and it's very it's very interesting because it's one of these ones where it's designed to appeal simultaneously as something familiar but just about just about unfamiliar enough at the same time mm -hmm. to make to make it sort of right in its own setting so if you look at it sort of maybe uh, in a view you'll see familiar sort of looking you know, like placements of benches to look at plants and pathways taking similar uh, you know sort of familiar routes around planted up areas but if you look closely like some of the plants of almost look real but they they're they're definitely not they're alien mm, yeah. um so it's a very it's um it's an interesting one because it's also and in the, and it's also it's providing a function it's providing the oxygen for the yeah. for the spaceship as well so it's not it's, it's it's a meeting of many functions and and not just not just a place to prettify the the spaceship but it's actually doing a job and it's a, a nice place to have his office as well do you think when like you see landscapes in video games and things like that obviously there's lots of different research that you mentioned before would have to go into them obviously i'm assuming you might analyze them or deconstruct them in a very different way to what we do based off having actual landscape design experience so i'm like is there anything when you go through a game that usually jumps out to you that is jarring that let's say someone who doesn't have a landscaping background doesn't necessarily pick up on or take into consideration yeah yeah maybe and i think this this i think the, the weaknesses usually come from the fact that at the bottom at the end of the day the bottom line is this is a this is a game that needs to be played and certain things need to happen 
Um, gameplay needs to work so yeah exactly it all needs to work things need to to be available to the player here it all needs to work in a in in an experience so as a result well some of the most jarring things that come to mind immediately are are plant placements let's say so you'll see yeah you'll see um lavender plants in skyrim in the very very harsh winter environments which you just wouldn't which you wouldn't see because they wouldn't survive, right? Yeah, like it's that just, sort of thing. Yeah, they're Mediterranean plants, hmm. and then the fact that you can, yeah, go across uh, the top to the bottom of our Assassin's Creed Valhalla and keep finding a couple of couple of just a couple of varieties of raspberries to to to, to put into. <laughs> <laughs> so hmm. yeah, so uh, so it's and that sort of makes sense to me in terms of where things might might jar a little bit because I think the similarities that we as garden designers, landscape designers have, as well as level designers and game designers generally, is that there is going to be an overlap of um, function, spatial awareness, proportion, think things like that, where it, it, things are going to make sense. It's just sort of innate in the, in the design process. That's why um, things like, I don't know, materials on a, on, a, on a garden or a landscape never really sort of jar to me, like, like in Dishonored, we keep using this as a good one because it's a good one. The, the space is feel nice and and proportioned for how you experience them and so Mm -hmm. so there is so that the design process obviously works i think it's fascinating like you made like even using the lavender thing in skyrim as an example like in any game you do your research right or you do as much research as you can but at the end of the game the game has to function so you need i don't know x amount of collectibles in your game so you can get the foraging materials or crafting materials you need to do in your game and i think that's where you'll see that overlap of, well, we haven't built a collectible or a model to change the plant. So we'll just put this plant in that zone and then it doesn't match the climate or something like that. But it is always fascinating. And I think it's something in that process that you keep bringing up as well. And like, we'll go through it as level designers for missions, for like architectural structures and stuff like that. It's all about the research, right? Because it's like, it's in the detail and that's always going to be the important thing to make it believable. One of the things that actually always stood out to me, and this is as far as my landscape design experience goes, and I might be wrong, is that a lot of games like to use biomes because biomes and moving through different biomes is like interesting, like going from snow to like desert and whatnot. But then it's like, if, if, if there's no loading between the two initial seamless, like in a big open world or stuff like that, they all just connect immediately and might have even the same plants. Is that also something that's basically very prominent in games that you wouldn't notice in real life? right yeah exactly yes and and some sort of paper over the cracks by just making the like a, a very quick transition instead <laughs> of just bumped bumped up but yes it, I, yeah of course that is that is that is how it is and that's why if you can separate them out it's it makes for a bit more of a cohesive experience in that one bio, biome as opposed to i think i think some of the open world games are sort of because obviously they're having to work with or having to reinterpret sort of scale as well which is going to make it difficult. So again, it's, it's it's that tension between authenticity and and making it making it play well. I think there's some games that really. I'm going to actually talk about two games, which one does it very well and one does it very badly. And there's one is Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is set in Bolivia, my home country, and the other the other one is Breakpoint, that's set in some fictitious island because the Bolivians got pissed off with, uh, you know. Wildlands being set in Bolivia, but one is a very natural progression between biomes, and you can see like, you know, how snow goes into cracks, and and then like, eventually you got uh, 
rivers and then you have water uh, you have plants and things like that and it all feels very natural progressive between one biome and the other and then you've got breakpoint that you have snow and tropical you know trees side by side side by side in fact there's <laughs> snow underneath it and then you're picking up acorns and you're like what the because in in breakpoint you Where pick am up I? <laughs> right and i was like this is like i don't have experience with landscapes but this is a little bit clashy you know because As like I said, a, that a, one seems a bit too obvious though a bit too jarring right. this tropical yeah. plant versus the snow <laughs> especially for an a fictitious, a fictitious island but it's, it's still supposed to be what pacific yeah. pacific ocean set as well you're right uh, and it was very very clashing especially when it was the same you know in theory the same developer and i was just like wow you know how could you get one so well done and another one so tone deaf because of the surely you've got the technology right <laughs> you know at least you've got that you know but what is other things that that you know apart from like oh well this is a tropical plant what is it doing in the at the top of a mountain but is there other like patterns that you see that go like whoa 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 that's not that's a mistake and i'm only asking you because i want to learn like what not to do you know yeah i think i think sometimes it, um there can also be uh, still to do with plants but different is it things can can look and this is only if you sort of really catch them at the right angles they can look too a bit too formulaic so you might you might see trees in a line mm. which doesn't doesn't necessarily happen naturally. unless it was naturally yeah you know naturally in the in the in the true sense of the word and so that can sometimes go well, hey okay i can tell a, a, a person did that um which is obviously true in terms of the game designer but but yeah, it's, it's it's so you can just see like that. So things because we're we're taught at university as in garden design, you sort of never never plant in in lines unless you really really have to. Um, never use really geometric shapes for for planting in blocks or something like that. So anytime that comes up, with the caveat of understanding you know a bit about how the game's made and the levels are put together, that can seem a bit jarring as well. But um, but I but I think I think it's. That that is certainly happens fewer and far, with comparatively to the to the in, sort of incorrect plants off the top of my head, which is which is the big one. So um, I have to bring it up because it's actually in my contract about Death Stranding. I have to bring it up on every episode. This is is part of our contract. Death Stranding is a must. Is a must. I'm sure I'm sure I missed this contract at some point. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about jarring on, or maybe not jarring, is the juxtaposition I think in Death Stranding of this uh, Icelandic kind of environment but that's in the u.s you know it's like this black ash and yeah and things like that which is le le less landscape garden but it's more like just landscape you know yeah for sure for sure so you, yeah so you've got this sort of treeless primeval almost landscape which yes would only sort of come in natural settings where you've got incredibly cold wind winds as well so you know, trees can't get a foothold and and, I, and just a very particular kind of kind of style and it's, it's got its place but yes it was very strange to sort of see that sort of try to be sort of crowbarred into yeah and this is this is north america but, uh, it's very it's, it's, it's a strange one that is a, that is a good example of a strange one uh particularly as well particularly when they're so sort of yes this is set in the real you know in, in our world as it were and you and you therefore have a direct comparison if you can go well, it's in, you know, it's uh, our game world is inspired, but it's not really got the set like set location. Then you can get away with it. But especially when you have 
not like oh it's in the far future and a lot of bad stuff has happened so well you know they're saying oh no i remember when 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 the world went to to crap and you're like well okay so you're not that old it wasn't that long ago uh, and like and i can understand the losing of trees but then you have like this uh volcanic ash everywhere like or like not not even volcanic ash but like black like it's changed the rocks you know <laughs> the geology the has ground changed. has yeah. changed very powerful. yeah very yeah. powerful yeah but uh but going back to to things done right is like for example this let's go back to dishonored again contractually obliged um yeah. is was it karnaka the the was it the grand palace of karnaka i'm i'm, I'm like, getting the place yeah wrong. Dishonored, dishonored too yeah yeah the one that looked like a broccoli landscape broccoli? oh or am broccoli. i talking about there was one area in dishonored that looked like broccoli surrounding the city i, I swear to god <laughs> oh i think i know the yeah i think i know the image you're thinking of uh, that's just the way i can describe it <laughs> slightly st slightly stylized image across yeah a sort of big big vista but yes there's there's i mean so there's several gardens in across the dishonored games which i will which are going to be case studies for the book, which I really want to, which I've only been able to sort of touch upon comparatively relatively briefly. And in the book, I'll be able to dive into them a bit more. But I think I think the Duke's Palace in Karnaka is, is the is probably the best one because everything works and is thought through from materials and like implementation to size bits of the the size of slabs and rock um, down to feature plants and using the geometry of the building to inform the design of the garden and also like just getting the setting right and in and instilling a real sense of place to it i remember there's um there's a collectible there's a note you can find at the somewhere near the bottom maybe under, under underground somewhere near the near the the palace and it's from it's from like the groundskeeper or the or the engineer complaining about how the fact that they're having to deal with the fact that the Duke wanted it built on a rocky peninsula where it shouldn't really be built. So they've got to deal with all the water and the erosion and the fact that it's so exposed. Right. Well um, and, that, and that makes nice. it, uh, yeah, and it's a nice touch because then there's other, there are other touches like in that throughout the Dishonored series, but it's nice because that is exactly what would happen. And yeah. on both counts, the rich person wanting a, a, a massive, lovely garden would want it in, a, in, a, in an unrealistic position. And the people made to do it would be complaining about it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's there's always that guarantee that they're like the 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 person building something has to whinge about the thing that they're building, right? You know, it's, it's, I think it's a. a I mean, we all do it, right? Yeah, that's true. And we're <laughs> building fictional things. Yeah. What would be good advice for like world world designers and and environment artists for like making the worlds be a bit more natural and and, and like to feel more real? Obviously, the fun factor comes first, but is there any advice that that, that you would give? Uh, I suppose, with the caveat of I've I'm not a game maker, nor have I made one. For for natural landscapes, I I would say immersion in it is is the is the best kind of sort of way to know it to learn it and to to see it that again that's a parallel with with what i've done with researching for the book as well the best place the best kind of research is to play the games and to be in the landscape that's also in real life as well be it walking or uh, sitting and drawing or playing golf you know you're you're actually having an active relationship with the landscape as opposed to just seeing it through a lens or through a window or through a frame 
I would absolutely go go for that. And maybe even where it's meant to be familiar and realistic, have have something to firmly base it on and look at everything from the geology to the different typologies that blend together, as we said earlier, right down to like, you can get loads of information from literally just knowing what the soil is. Again, sort of harking back to why it's changed in Death Stranding, but sort of what the rock types are, then you'll know what kind of plants grew there and have and do now and can survive so in terms in terms of that there is when looking at natural stuff i think i think that is almost the best the best way to do it and also to look at if as far as as far as we can look at how earlier civilizations had a relationship with the landscape as well when they didn't have to, when they were literally working on it and they relied on it and there was a very tight kinship between the two but then for for something more designed um like the gardens of dishonored or something like a designed a designed i don't know big landscape parks or open squares or something like that is um there's there's a lot to be said for and that's where i think sort of people like me can come in with a bit of real world landscape architecture garden design history of that knowledge and working practice there's a there's a lot to be said for imbuing it with more meaning than just it's it's a corresponding place outside to these inside places there's a lot more to sort of say how can you tie it into a narrative, the story, the place, the characters, how are people using it? So how has it changed over time? What's its future use going to be? Did it use did it used to be used for one thing? So there's there's sort of deeper levels of it or layers of it that you can that you can really go go for as well. Talking about like kind of central places that people meet outside, for example, one thing that really comes to mind, which was again, this is a procedural game as well. It's like uh, it was called XCOM, uh, Enemy Unknown, I think it. And you start out in, you know, like doing an attack outside and that triggers off the, the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're being attacked by aliens. I can't remember the, the, the story, but it was an outside space and it looked like an outside kind of plaza that people would be hanging out in. And, and that believability really went into it. You know, like, in other words, it didn't jar in my brain. It was like, yes, I'm, I'm out here. And another game... It's not observation. It's a game where you have to report on other people, and there's like explosions in in a, in a main plaza as well. Orwell. Orwell, thank you. And even that, you have like shots of like the main plaza and things like that. That makes it very believable as an area that people go to that con- congregate, you know, and and things happen. A lot of the design of gardens is not just you know put some green bit benches and stuff like that yeah right. uh, mm-hmm. some of some of the gardens are, are indoors and one one game and again contractually obliged uh is control because that's like a real brutalist game but there's still like all these these strange trees that i'm trying to find out the name of which are like these big bulbous bases and they look like fat trees essentially and you get this area that feeling that oh yeah no people will want to congregate around nature do you know what i mean it's like there's these elevated spaces inside this what is essentially a brutalist nightmare yeah that's exactly it in terms of people would gravitate towards an area which has got which has been softened by green stuff by plants there's sort of an innate uh, thing in all of us that we all like to sit near or gravitate towards the sound of running water and it's that kind of approach that sort of almost sub in our subconscious that you can appeal to as well and so like something like control is is a is a really good one and but you can but they're all they're all sort of still 
contain in they're in contained the plants are mostly in containers of the same style so it's sort of still there but there's elements of it um um being softening the edges and making more attractive areas as you as you say apart from sort of overlaid the on top of the uh, the brutalist concrete um and is that not just shape wise because you've got these squares and an angle compared to something natural you've got a color difference because that's I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be wrong, I'm, and you're gonna show me a, a screenshot now. But in my head, they're like pink and bright and red colors compared to the the gray. And this is like that that color theory also comes a lot into plants, right? This whole point we we have plants because they're like colorful things to have. And I think one of the games I think you're covering is Firewatch, and that always comes to me as like they really went into the color theory behind that. Yeah, I think that was a great implementation of sort of a of a of a particular art style and stylistic approach to the landscape as well and just using big broad brush strokes of color but still looking like they're you know they've got they've got the plants right recreated the landscape lovely but it's it's can be yes it's a great example of where the landscape uh, and its portrayal succeeds because it's not trying to be hyper realistic mm. um, and it's there, and there is very much a place for that as well it's like even with the abstraction they took, like the types of color, the shape, the blockiness, to you still had that level of familiarity. So you still felt you were in a landscape or you were by a lake. So they still achieved it. But it's like what Mark was saying, they applied the technique of color theory and shape theory and stuff like that. But it still felt believable and familiar if you saw it as like the complete package. Yeah. And you can imagine being there and, and, and soaking it up as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of that lovely part where your brain fills in, like my memory of Firewatch is probably a lot more detailed. It's 4K detailed. I could probably touch the bark. And when I look at it, you can't, you know? And, and I think it's, it's... There is no we, bark. Yeah, there, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but it's, I don't know. I don't know I, I, the only thing I can call it is that the uncanny valley of things, you know? It's like the more games get to reality, you can be more picky about how good things are, right? And but then sometimes you reduce the, the the fidelity, and it works because your brain goes, well, that's obviously a plant, and you're like, it's it's just some pattern or or a thing, you know, a, a tree, and that's what I meant was that in some games of play, they go, ah, that doesn't look like grass, and then in other games, it's like four spikes, it's like totally grass, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm gonna run through that, you know. <laughs> you're also covering a, a game that that is I'm a massive fan of. Or it means a lot to me, which is everyone's gone to the rapture, which I think they should have never named it that because that's kind of giving away the ne the game. But but that was, and to me, was an amazing representation of 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 an English village, right? Yeah. And what was really particularly great about it, about it was is you you had to walk through it at a slow pace. I re I really like that. Yeah. And you could do that. You can imagine doing the whole gladiator thing brushing your hand through the, the wheat and the barley and you could even though it was sort of local to the village feel immersed in the birch and bluebell forest and it felt you know well for me is one down the road from back home in Essex as well and it's just felt 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 like it felt like it should do mm. and it's it also it did it very well it sort of, it sort of simultaneously presented a spring and a summer English landscape together so you had the summertime with the harvest uh, imminent imminent mm. harvest but you had the springtime with the the bluebells um 
Um, and then the summer again with the roses coming out in some people's gardens. Um, and I think there might have been some springtime daffs out as well. But it was that's a really good sort of here's a fictional English village represented beautifully, gets the setting absolutely correct and right. And it works with the people, even has, you know, the local pubs inter and people interacting with the pub garden. Um, and you can hear people talk about that. Um, and it was it was just and the, yeah, it was just it was it was one of those which was very, very memorable. I mean, it's absolutely memorable. It's also has encapsulated i'm trying to look for for good adjectives like the perfect english village right this is the midsummer murders this is like what britain exports as the perfect time it's just between you know i don't know may and and end of july that's when that village was made you know yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't exist outside of that. it doesn't exist outside of that there's no winter there's no like <laughs> horrible thing and i think your book in reality, you know, you've got me thinking now that a lot of the stuff that we want to create, now that the world's opening up, fingers crossed, we can now start going exploring some of those, go a bit further afield to to explore those things. Because we can do that in real life, but that's what games really give us, is this ability to, like, great, I want to go, I don't know, I'm not a massive fan of The Witcher, but there's nothing wrong with it, don't send your hate mail but that's a conversation for another time i know but i just haven't got around to playing it i haven't got around to playing it have a falling out yeah no i don't have 120 hours to play a game just right now we're busy making the world no look i've started it all right just don't i've started the argument i don't think i've started the game i've just started the argument but do you know what i mean it's like you can go into the witch and play hours and hours in an environment where you can't do at home over the last couple of years it's kind of something i wanted to kind of touch on because you mentioned being uh well you mentioned being like immersed in the environments obviously we spoke about um dishonored and things like that but they are very what i would class like highly concentrated like then they are like sandboxy but they're not open world let's say the witcher or something like that in that terms of science so is your preference when you do these deconstructions or these researchers analysis to go into something like the witcher where you can go to a town you can then go down the stream and actually explore the local car like cabins and caves around it is are those the kind of things you like to deconstruct further it's like, what is your general selection process, especially for the book being like? So I'll I I go for all of them. Yeah, I mean, The Witcher is the Witcher mm -hmm. is is one of my um one of my. It's really rich. Yeah, right? it's, it's one like of my go tos. It's one of my favourites and one of my go tos when I'm when I'm talking to when I've done talks to students or people at the RHS or whatnot. I mm -hmm. I I usually that is the, that's the one I pick out for let's say yeah natural landscape design kind of kind of approaches as well um so yeah i will i i've i, I think i've followed most most of the rivers through the mountain ranges in the isles of skellige i can you know i've got favorite places that i'll go to and have another look around and take some screenshots there as well so yes so whilst there is there you know there's the overly designed this yeah concentrated stuff like dishonored but that, but it is like your skyrims and your witches actually going there and go well what is there that's familiar what can we pick out that maybe was uh, the re the real world inspired, and then how have they put their own interpretation on that? And then what is also brand new? Um, and we know we know game like The Witcher is sticking to that. We know that it was based on you know folklore from from Northern Europe, yeah. so we know that it's going to have that, and we know that Skellige has a sort of Celtic um, and sort of Nordic mm -hmm. inspiration. And you but you can see that, and you can 
you can see it in the in the landscape as well and how it's portrayed and have you know big large mountain ranges with the, the sun setting down it and they've you know intentionally put some sort of journey towards that so you can see that and and the way that plants will change as you go into caves plants will change as you go up mountains and go down towards go down mountains towards the streams um so there, there's plenty to deconstruct in the witcher as well and i think it, what it, what that one is particularly good at also is doing that what wild untouched stuff like skelliger but also real world sort of landscape design and how people are uh, interacting with it and using the land obviously it's agricultural it's growing your own stuff there's a strong relation to the herbalists for example then they craft their own gardens and it's very looked after and there's protection protective about it and also in the witcher you can't even progress that's mild spoilers maybe for mark but you can't you can't He's not gonna <laughs> okay spoilers <laughs> for mark um you can't progress the main story unless you engage in some horticulture and talk to a herbalist quite near the beginning so it's a deep connection with, with like the actual land that you're going to be traversing is actually like no no you've got to connect yeah, you can't you've just got like, to do this walk all over yeah it. you've got to do this and then and then you end up going well okay now i know what i don't know this plant does and i need to look out for it and then when you go through the journey through the landscape even not following quest lines you end up knowing what the plants look like where 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 they do grow because the witch was quite good at that and then you can use that to as a navigational tool as well getting you getting used to the different types of landscapes and the, and the plant you go oh and okay, okay that plant i know sort of nick grows near uh tracks and and paths i'm i'm gonna get you know i'm close to a, to some sort of route but yeah there's there's just that there is a yeah really deep connection to it in terms of how people were living off it and there's you know you can hear people again complaining and swearing about working the vine, vines in tucson and so you can it, it's it's great like that it's great i'm gonna ask having no knowledge of the witcher do you know this because you are much more an expert in landscape and growing things? Because I could just see myself just running around going, I can't find any roots anywhere. Like, Mark, you're at the top of a mountain. There is nothing here. <laughs> or, or, or is that part of the game that it teaches you that? The easy answer is there's an element of both. But the fact is that the game does introduce this kind of relationship with, with the land and what grows on it so early on. That, they, that it is you know the fact that the game's doing any teaching like that to me is great as well but it does it does it does because then you get used to it and then you know what, what, what how to how to get around what to look out for yeah kind of forces you to explore the land as well right so when you are doing these herbalist quests or whatever or foraging for the roots or whatever you need it forces you to look around similar to the witch's character he's a hunter right so he'll go and deal dispatch a monster that's plaguing a village that could be in the middle of nowhere but there'll be something attaching you to that and it's always reflected in the state of the village how the people react to it whether they've got no crops left so there's always that connection as well but that's that sounds like a, a good one so talking about growing stuff and i don't know if you cover it in your book but in the last of us two that it seemed that like society had evolved a bit more and there was like actual growing patterns i don't want to spoil it for anyone but there is a they're growing stuff and they've, and they've got like more civilization than than in the, in the last of us one part one and that has haunted me a little bit because it's like okay so you got all these bad things monsters the usual thing that the, the, the zombies are the least of your problems compared to humans but you also start thinking well once you start once humans get to the point that they're growing 
crops, you start trading, right? Because you'll have other people hunting stuff. And that's where you start getting communication. You start getting more cohesiveness rather than less. I don't know. But, yeah, no, I, I think a, a good juxtaposition of that is um, is the fact that's, that in that kind of scenario, in that world, the humans have to reset their relationship with the landscape as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. Totally. It's gone back to exactly how it was you know totally organically no no mass farming no chemicals nothing you've got to do it from the learn it all again from the ground up and rekindle this uh the relationship with the land um and yeah in that i can vi visualize it now in, in that in the location in a location where they're doing it they're sort of doing it in an, in an orderly efficient manner to to just try and maximize you know product output as it were you know and yield yeah, for, for however many people are, are left, yeah, you know. Yeah. So when we're talking about all the these gardens and stuff that are in the in specific games, and they're just like parts of the game. They're not the main uh, the main part of the game. And right. I just remembered a, a game that is actually just about gardens. I think it was released recently. Uh, you may have heard of it called Cloud Gardens, where okay. it's this apocalyptic uh, kind of like a isometric looking environment where you like plant things on, on buildings that are old and apocalyptic and you create gardens, literal gardens with the, uh, stuff. And I wonder if you had a, a chance to take a look at it and uh, what your opinions were on that. I have not, but um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm aware that there's, because it's now easier than ever to make, to make a game or make some, you know, a, a small game, you can make one in, a lot of folks are doing it from, the, from their bedroom. There, there has been, a sort of new wave on on these ones because it's also gardening is great great for the soul for lack of a better term it's very relaxing mm -hmm. it's very good for you and and, and there's been a, a small wave of of games being made that that just do that i know there's one there's one i saw one that was trying to gain support i haven't checked up on it that was about foraging purely about foraging there was one about botany and sort of the science of it as well yeah, so in terms of the actual look, like, here's a game about doing it or learning about it and and just chilling out and 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 it's it is it is the game. Then um then there's mm -hmm. yeah there's a few to to check out and I you've, you've called me out a bit there. <laughs> oh, it's not a call out. It's just a recommendation. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah. I was actually wondering. I haven't played it myself, so I was wondering like how how are the plants depicted in, in that game actually um but yeah there seems to be like humans are really drawn to like um gardens and planting stuff and just and just even we can see that in our in our games a lot like we can have like these smaller focus games that just do that and and it it's like you said i think it, it's uh it's this self-care and this relaxation that the, those places give you right well it's and... animal crossing isn't a, a big part of of that I guess, in a way, some part of it. it. Again, like Witcher 3 and Animal Crossing. <laughs> the biggest games ever. <laughs> Stardew, Stardew Valley is um, a good one, I suppose, for that as well. Stardew Valley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Stardew Valley has a lot of that. A lot about farming. And Look, I'm not going to bring up plants versus zombies, <laughs> but... <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just, I just, I mean, I think the reason, like, I'm really attracted to this idea of the the nature and how true it is because i think one of the first games that really got me down the road of i'd like to make a game because it made me feel things was dear esther which is based on scotland uh hebrides uh, uh, scottish environment hebrides right and in that i was going like wow there's, there's such wild depictions of 
It was the first time that landscapes were actually the main character, I guess. So it's... You beat me to it. I was gonna, I thought that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah. There's there's been a, a when when that sort of care and and attention to it has gone well. You know, it's not just in this environment, this landscape, this world is not just for passing through. It's actually a main a major player in the game as well. That again is, is for me elevates them to another level, hundred for sure. And Dearest is a sort of almost a sort of deceptively simple beauty. It sort of captures the the will the wild beauty of the Hebrides, but also like the the danger, the actual the fact that it is so isolated, um, it's wind battered. Um, yeah, it's that is a particularly good one. Again, maybe the pace that you're you're uh, kept to exploring it means that you have it to, one you have a uh, the opportunity to soak it up, and two you can. You, you can look around and you can actually look down and see the mossy mossy rocks and yeah you're right it's because you didn't have a lot a lot of actions to perform as a player right you 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 had to just not had but you you could enjoy you could pace something that that we don't get to do quite a lot i don't know if that well maybe you, all of you do but you know and th this is the same juxtaposition of looking at plants having benches in front of something to contemplate you know, the t time to zen out and finding that in a game was was very uh i don't know enriching for my life or like oh okay right I, I i'm allowed to do that i'm not meant to be just be shooting the crap out of things you don't have to charge past areas yeah it's the focus like the focus was shifted because like we were talking about dishonored earlier and it's like you're describing all these hyper detailed gardens but i can guarantee i'll be generous uh like 70% of people won't see them. They'll just run straight through and go to the target and miss it. But there'll be 30% of people that methodically go through an environment finding every note and finding every mm. collectible. Which from a development point of view, it's why you want to put something really cool in this level of detail into your space. Your producer will probably tell you no, because their <laughs> argument will be 10% of people will probably look at this. <laughs> and that's the argument you usually have to fight for it. But I think as like you mentioned before, like as our tools get better and like the content creation pipelines and stuff get a little bit more streamlined, so it does become a little bit easier to get content into the game. That's why we're starting to see this level of detail go up and we're getting more high fidelity environments. And yeah, especially with Quixel and the tools from Quixel, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. like, I think like UE5 will be a game changer, especially for smaller studios, like because big studios have had the they have hundreds of artists to do this stuff but now you're going to start to see the like quality level of games go up at a smaller studio scale level as well and i mean even if you don't explore that garden um say in whatever game with the even just getting a glimpse of it immediately just ticks a few boxes yeah there's people here because gardens are like and, and communal places means society means people means um means a few things and like even if you don't explore it it's just there it already uh, um, adds to the world itself. So maybe that is enough to, to create a direction for the game without it needing to be explored or, and, and whatnot in detail. I think on that note, we can now cut the recording and head out and enjoy nature for a little bit longer. <laughs> and, and think of you, Rob. I have a weird question before we head off, uh -huh. actually. Where do mushrooms stand in all uh, landscape and gardening? Uh, <laughs> because the, we have this whole mycelium network and it's it's huge, but we don't see that in games. What about mushroom right. placement, right? 
is that is that part of like nature and and something we don't see much in games because i really love mushrooms like uh, as like as a as a as a concept they are this huge they're like as this whole different thing as an idea, as and an idea. games don't touch mushrooms. it just <laughs> <laughs> i i think things like that which is just to make just to take it and make a bit more of a broader point things like that would probably get put in the category of of a more general approach to to it sort of looking right as opposed to being botanically correct or horticulturally correct mm. so have it but seasonally correct as well. well indeed yes we didn't yes indeed season seasons is a massive thing as well but yeah so you'll you'll see them sort of and it will look familiar and it will look right but um i think i'd have to direct you to a mushroom expert <laughs> there's a fantastic a whole different thing right? <laughs> well yeah there's a whole different thing and like we'll keep that off the show but there's a, <laughs> but there's there's a whole show actually on netflix about fungus i've watched that that's why i was bringing okay, it up all right, like okay. this whole other part of nature that we don't see as much in games and it's like this is magical yeah they're, they're the lo- some of the largest organisms on earth literally so, so yeah. they are important and key but um yeah i suppose it's just because they're hidden lesser known lesser appreciated and on that note we shall send our appreciation to the mushrooms and uh, <laughs> send our, our massive appreciation to to you rob thank you for being on the show it's been a wonderful thing we'll put a, a link to genius loci in the show notes and it's actually been published by by unbound who is a lovely publisher of books uh, somebody else on the podcast has been here constantinos constantinos Dimopoulos, yeah. uh, with Virtual cities. Virtual cities. Mm-hmm. And urban design, um, that kind of—it's uh, the opposite, basically, of, of nature and, and, and yeah. landscapes and gardening. So, so you have to have worlds. these books like bookending your side library. by side. Yeah, yeah <laughs> side by side. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you, dear listeners, for listening to and watching this episode of the Level Design Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you, and if you'd be great if you left us a review uh do a like you know all the nice things that you do to to things that that you listen and and watch thank you very much good night bye Bye. this has been a command studios production our editor is matthew lever our theme tune is by the awesome james elsie you can follow us on Twitter at Level Design Fan, but we're also available on all podcasters out there. But you can visit us on anchor.fm forward slash Level Design.